song is like, it just reminds me how big God is and that there's something eternal there, right? And when we're going through the busyness and, and uh, I'm, I'm seeing like, I'm so thankful that all you guys turned out for finals week. Like, this is amazing. This is a good size for finals week. Praise. Amen. We need God during finals week. But, uh, you know, it just... We've got all this stress in life and everything like that, but when we take time to praise God, when we worship Him, we realize how small everything else is. We realize how big our God is. And when we look at people in the Old Testament and that trusted in God when they came across such large circumstances, such large obstacles, whatever it was, when they trusted in God, God was always faithful. And so it's just a good reminder because the enemy's a buster and tries to remind us otherwise. Yeah, so I'm glad everybody made it out here for finals week. This is a, this is a hard week. We're praying for everybody and uh, to make it through, finish strong in the semester. And I really want to cast some vision today and get us thinking about what's next. And you're like, I can't even think about what's next. No finals. Well, that's why I'm here to, to serve you in that way. And so we don't want to just let the moment define uh, the, like what you're going to do next. Just like I'm in the moment and it's a knee-jerk response. We want to be intentional. And so we're going to look at that today, but first we want to honor and recognize our students graduating this semester. Yes. Matt Michaela Forbes, if you guys come on down, Ronnie Harledge, Rebecca Wise, and uh, yeah, if you guys want to make it down. Yeah, you guys, you've worked hard this semester, and um, I'm going to stand over here. And uh, I always say, I, I try to tell students, so if you're a freshman in here, ooh, I'm going to stand on this side. If you're a freshman in here, I just want to encourage you, and rec uh, like, if you put in the work, it's going to happen. Like, these guys put in the work, and it seems like this is way overwhelming, and you could get, like, details and stuff. School, school, school. But I think each one of these... Uh, students will tell you, or these graduates are, can tell you, don't just get wrapped up in nothing but school. There's so much more for you. If you put in the hard work and what you're supposed to, the rest will work out. And I know some of you guys have lined up jobs and stuff like that where you're going and everything like that, but uh, God's got it. And so I was just talking with Kayla Forbes today. She had some, she was sharing, she had some open up opportunities, and she's not stressed. She's like, I'm doing my best. God's going to do the rest. So praise God. Anyways, we're going to pray over you guys this morning, and uh, we're just going to pray for, yeah, everything. But before I do that, I've got a scripture here God gave me for you. It says in Isaiah 58, 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And so I know like it's always from one adventure to the next, but trust God, he won't let you down. So God, I just thank you for our graduates uh, who've overcome a lot of obstacles, worked really hard to graduate, and I pray that our graduates praise you, Lord, the one who has guided and provided for them. I pray their heart is fixed on you and not the worries or distractions of life, that they embrace their relationship with you, trusting and obeying your counsel and instructions. God, I pray they keep their eyes fixed on you always. That with you at their right hand, 
They will not be shaking going from adventure to adventure. Let their heart be glad in the hard times and in the times of celebration. Let their mouth rejoice in the truth, singing a new song with declarations of your love and faithfulness in their life. Let their body and mind find rest and security, knowing that their lives are in trustworthy hands, putting you first. Remind them that you will not abandon them in this life or the next. Fill them with the joy of your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand, Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for our graduates. And Lord, I pray that you remember, uh, that they remember what, what you've done for them in this season as they move forward, forging into the next season. That it encourages them as they trust you with the next chapter of their life, whether it's a job or the next degree. Lord, keep them close to you and use them to share your love that they encountered from you with other people. Continue to engage people with your love. Inform those around you with the good, them with the good news and inspiring others to live a life trusting you. God, we ask that you bless our graduates from H2O, AIA, IFI this semester, Crew, Chi Alpha, Christians on Campus, Rock Campus Fellowship, CMC, Ratio Christi, all the Bible studies that are taking place. Bless your children as you send them out to be missional, to expand your kingdom. God, we say a special prayer for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. God, just strengthen them, love them right where they're at, and remind them that they too are not alone. They have both you and their other brothers and sisters praying for them faithfully. God, we thank you for this opportunity to seize the moment. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. We're at the our office in turmoil, so to make sure you get your addresses. We'll see you in the city. Give it up one more time, you guys. Thank you guys for coming up. Putting in the spotlight. Hallelujah. All right. I'm really excited. This message totally fired me up. Uh, I love um, seizing the moment. And just like praying over the graduates, they, you guys inspire me. You really do. Every time I see a, a group of graduates passing through, pressing in, working hard, seeing that consistency pay off, um, trusting in God. Like, there's just this smile that they retain. I've seen people, um, graduates go, and they're like, I don't know what God's got in store, but until it opens up, I'm going to serve. Or I'm going on a mission trip before I do this. Or, you know, it just amazes me to see how our graduates have trusted in God in the past. And every time, God is faithful. And so, um, we are going to talk about season the moment today. And I see this sunny weather, and I've already heard some of you seizing the moment this weekend. We go from snowing and sleeting to sweltering and sweating. So I don't know how that happens, but it does. How many of you guys have studied or spent some time outside this weekend? Yes? All right, turn to your neighbor and say, seize the moment. That's right. Come on. Soak up that vitamin D. We need to seize the moment when the moment's there. We need to look forward and embrace it and look forward to those moments to be seized. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about that. I believe that as we follow God, he wants to show us what seizing the moment really looks like. In fact, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says the thief comes 
only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness, in Matthew 6.33. And then it says in uh, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things. That little three-letter word is is a big word in our lifetime. All these things. Are you ready to seize the moment? What does that look like for you? What has that looked like for you up to this point? Maybe some of you are first-time students going to college in your family. Maybe you're pioneering into a new degree uh, that your family's never seen. Maybe, maybe it's just you saying, like, this is who I am. I'm figuring out who I am, and I'm pioneering that, looking to seize the moment. But what does it look like to seize the moment the way God teaches us and shows us? And it's part of that. God wants you to trust in Him. And as you follow Him, you will experience an opportunity to seize a life, uh, seize life and life to its fullest every time. And life is not easy, but it is a gift if we are able to seize the moment. And that's a real statement. It is a gift. I don't know, there was Kung Fu Panda Proverbs. What is it like? like present, something about like life is a present. Anyways. <laughs> It really is a gift if we seize the moment, but it is, it is hard, and we have to persevere through those hard times. And if you really, like, I've heard so many people go through the gauntlet of life and get jaded. Have you ever met that person who's been jaded already? They're seasoned in life, uh, an older friend or brother and sister or parent, and they've had so many bad experiences in life that they're now so critical, there's more criticism than joy coming out of them. And I just wonder, like, how much have we trusted in Jesus in those hard times? How much have we loved in those hard times, chosen that? And so God's going to show us a, a better path to take in those moments. That way, every moment, the good, the bad, and the ugly can be a gift. Hallelujah. We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5 today, verses 1 through 21. And so if you want to turn your Bibles there, uh, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on this. And we're going to bring, uh, 5, 1 through 21, we're going to bring all these verses to kind of center around verse 16 that says, Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So as you turn there, let me give you that background. Ephesians was written to a church in Ephesus, and Ephesus was a trading port. Uh, it was like a big city, and like any big city, it had the, the, the blessings and the hardships of a big city. It had diverse food, cultures, faith uh, there, and it was a pretty happening spot. I mean, when we look at Corinth, Corinth was like the Las Vegas of the time, and Ephesus was like a New York of the time. It was just this huge hub for to go out to the rest of the world. It was a very strategic location to reach the rest of the world. And Paul spent three years there. We see this in Acts chapter 19. And he spent three years sharing the good news, having spiritual conversations daily, doing amazing miracles by the power of God, and seeing the church built up through that faithful work. And he began to gather great friends and community there that he loved and now misses. And he's writing Ephesians, this letter, to his friends, but through the Holy Spirit, the church at large, to encourage them. And so Ephesians is just this incredible book. Um, I love this letter. 
It fuels your fire to burn bright following God. The first couple chapters declares how much God loves you. This amazing relationship we have through Christ, God's peace and grace, how God has given us every spiritual blessing. He's rescued us from eternal death and made us alive in Christ Jesus. I mean, this is the letter. I love this letter. If you're a new believer, I will encourage you to read John, Romans, and Ephesians, and that's typically where I'll walk a new believer through uh, just finding out who they are in Christ, this identity, and this love, but at the same time, the commission to go. It is one of those powerhouse letters, uh, what we call an epistle. And so Paul is writing this, but not just to sell us a moment of love. But champion something eternal. And the last couple of chapters, he gives counsel and guidance to be committed and intentional walking out this relationship with God. And we have to see that there is a battle going on with the demonic enemy to still kill and destroy this relationship that God is cultivating with us. The enemy can't stand that. He does, if he can't stop you from knowing who Christ, who you are in Christ, he's going to stop you from knowing who Christ is in you. You know what I'm saying? There is, he doesn't want you to find that identity, that inheritance, that opportunity to change the world. And each one of you have the capability of changing the world as you trust in God. I love this. This is wise counsel. Even Jesus gives a parable of seeds that fall onto different grounds, representing different relationships that have started and now being destroyed because they lost the focus of commitment and intentionality. And many of those, many of those examples in that parable, it was an enemy who helped influence that distraction. This would happen in any relationship. Any relationship with little to no commitment and intentionality would be destroyed. Think about that. Any relationship that you have in your life. And I love it when I'm reminded that I left my old life and now I'm in a new one with Christ Jesus. And this teaches me how to grow, how to love, and how to be successful in this new relationship. I love letters like this in the Bible. And they are hard to read sometimes, but when we press in, we're going to, and less of us and more of Christ, we're going to find something sweet, rewarding, true, and authentic at the end of it. So let's see how he begins to close this letter and walking out our relationship in victory in Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 21. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not be even be, or not even be heard of among you, as is proper for the saints. Everybody say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. Come on. Coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. Let no one deceive you with his empty arguments. For God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but 
you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Pay careful attention then how you will walk, on how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise Making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything God the Father, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Amen. Amen. Whew. Telling you, it's rich. Can you feel it already? Is it speaking to you? Something speaking? Hallelujah. The word, mm, it's the first place God will speak to us. All right, so let's look at three opportunities to seize the moment. And really, these three are challenges and encouragements that you think about starting, maybe starting this summer. But as you start this summer, you might be able to see it will seize a lifetime. You'll be able to see something for a lifetime. First takeaway, first thing is, Paul starts out right out the gate with this, walk in love. Walk in love. Paul urges the believer to walk in a manner that is worthy of their calling. Therefore, he says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering. We see these words like, it's not just any love. Like He says, imitate God. And he, he's given an example of what this looks like. And you're the recipient of every day, grace, mercy, all these things. And here's the thing. This love you're experiencing right now, you're learning it right now. And it's not, we're finding out that it's not the de definition of the world's love, right? We already know that the world's definition of love, come on. Love, it, it's, it's almost interchangeable for whatever makes me happy. And, and that's a deep void. That'll change up real quick. But love is consistent. Love is eternal. Real love, God's love, it will never let you down. It is faithful. And this love has a name. His name is Jesus. Love. We already know that where this, where the world's love leads us, but we also are discovering and securing our hope in where God's love is going to lead us. Is this not what God's rescued us from? He rescued us from that old love. But we tend, we're surrounded by it, so we kind of tend to veer back to it. That old love for some reason. That old form of love. Oh, I know this is God's love, but if I could just love this person to become my spouse the old way, it'll work out God's way. That's not the case. 
from loving your parents to loving your friends to loving your enemy, how are you going to love? God desires us to love people. It is why we are the recipients of such unfathomable love. Unfathomable grace, unfathomable joy, unfathomable gifts that we get to experience in a relationship with them. There's a reason why God is not just a God of enough, but he's a God of more than enough because it's supposed to overflow that we can give it to other people. There's a purpose for, for this love. And he is glorified. You're like, yeah, Ortega, this purpose is to glorify him. He's glorified when we love other people the way we're loved by him. We got to know his will, which we'll get to. So, my question is, is are you loving people right now in the midst of your busy life? In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of everything, how well are you loving those around you? What does that love look like? There are so many people in your life. Are you being intentional with that time? I'm not telling you to go love everybody. We can see in the Bible that Jesus didn't stop at every town. We can see that Jesus just loved and served those that his father led him to, to do, to do that way. And then even the time amount, he spent very specific, intentional time with each person. I'm not telling you to go overwhelm you and see like the whole campus is lost. Everyone at my job needs Jesus. No, like, are you praying for that one connection? Just keep it simple. Don't let it get so overwhelming that you just abandon everything. So here's where you write something down. I encourage you to sit down with God and ask him for five people. This is your challenge. Five people and write down their names. It could be family, friends, co-workers. It could be a fellow student, a person that you met maybe that doesn't even know Jesus, that you've been loving and building a relationship with. Write down five people, but leave the fifth one with a question mark. Leave room for the Holy Spirit to introduce you to somebody new, right? And so write down these five people, and then next to their names, begin to generate. Just this is your quiet time with the Lord. Like, God, what do you want me to do? Hey, and next to their names, be intentional. Like, okay, I could do this for this person. This person would be good to buy like a little gift card for. This, these couple people, I just want to send an encouraging note once a week or once a month. You know, like, over, I just want to encourage them with something. This person, I want to go down and visit and encourage them or come back up and spend time with them. Just to share with them that God loves them and he's laid them on my heart and that's why I'm spending time with them and I love them. Do this really, get specific. Let the Holy Spirit get specific. And most of all, at the end of every list for every person, commit to pray for them. Daily or weekly, like all the time. I guarantee you, by the end of this summer, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. God says, he says, focus on me and focus on others. But our old way, our old form of love always comes back to loving us, focusing on us. God wants us to focus on others and love others. And that unknown might be an enemy. <laughs> might be somebody you have to choose to love. And there's a lot of growth in that. 
is Jesus died for his enemy. Should we expect anything less? So that's challenge number one, right? I'm looking forward to that. I want to hear testimonies by the end of summer. In fact, we're going to have like this super fun thing, like make a video of testimony of somebody you met, whatever. We're going to have like a special, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to make a, a whole thing out of it this summer. How's God moving in your life kind of thing? We want to testify because by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies, they overcame the enemy. And we're overcoming an enemy. I want to hear testimonies. I want to hear what God's doing in your life. We hear about everything else, but I want to hear how God's moving. And it's going to encourage everybody else. Number two. Number two. Daily routine of being holy and set apart. That's the second takeaway from here. Verses 3 through 18 gives us a list of things not to do. From sexual activity outside of God's standards to self-centered, greedy actions, foolish and crude talking or joking, hanging out with people, living a destructive lifestyle, getting plastered with alcohol, or spending your time unwisely while keeping parts of your life hidden in the dark. You see, this was my life. This whole, all these things were my life at one point while I was following Jesus. And I love reading the Bible, and I love going through the Bible to verses that spoke to me. And I love listening to pastors that would tell me, like, God loves you. He, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all this stuff. But nobody knew what I was doing throughout the rest of the week. Nobody held me accountable. Thank God for his grace and consistency to continue pursuing me in those moments. There were moments I was even able to lead out doing things with sin hidden in my life. But then when you really start to read the word, you start hearing this counsel. See, the not to do's is the, is the, the, the counsel, but the to do's are the direction. I see a lot of to do's in here, things to do. The, the not to do's is this urgent warning. Don't get wrapped up in these things. If you're doing these things, I want to warn you that this is not going to benefit your relationship. If I was talking to somebody and flirting, what seemed to be flirting with somebody and uh, at a restaurant, I kept going to that restaurant or something like that, and I, with all my friends and they're just sitting back and watching me while I'm married, and they just let that continue? Nobody's giving me counsel? Dude, you're going to tank your marriage talking to somebody like that. This is Paul saying you're going to tank the relationship that you have with the Lord God Almighty that you started if you continue to live these lifestyles. So I was so convicted when I read these things. So convicted. And here's the journey there's, that, that I went on. The enemy's a buster. Right? We said that earlier. Kill, still and destroy something. He wants to. So here God's convicting me with godly conviction. But then I'm feeling so guilty. And I don't know what to do or who to turn to. And so I start to distance myself from God. <laughs> That's the enemy's plan. Is to distance you from God. What did Adam and Eve do? They hid. God's trying to say, don't hide 
But what do we always do? We hide. God, God, I'm doing this. I'm just going to keep this in the dark. Nobody needs to know about this, you know. And some of us, we don't even stop. We just keep it our precious, you know, like Gollum down there in the, the cave of whatever it was. It's just like, I only do this in the dark. As funny as that is, the reality is, is some of us are plagued by what we do in the dark. In the secret. And we haven't gone to somebody and said, I need help. So the enemy's out there. He's going to try to kill, steal, and destroy something in you. But as we face an accuser, we also have a God who's a redeemer. He is faithful to redeem you guys. And as, as I started like, okay, I do this, but I can do these things. God's saying, don't focus on what not to do because you already know that's wrong. Be honest with me. When you read this and when you hear this and you feel a conviction, you already know something's wrong when you hear these warnings. I don't need to be told that. It happens right away. The first thing I need to be told is, what do I do? What am I supposed to be doing? So God says, yes, the more you fill me up with you, the more you're going to get through this. And so there is a difference between struggling and living a lifestyle. Don't let the enemy say, oh, you're not a Christian because you're struggling with this. There's a big difference between me struggling with a sin and trying like, God, I'm trying to get the victory and, and I'm messing up, you know, whether smoking, like I was doing drugs back in the day, I was dealing drugs, I was sleeping with people, like everything, right? And it's like, I don't want to do this, I don't mess up, all this stuff. And God's like, the righteous man falls seven times and gets back up seven times, keep coming. You're going to have victory, son. I'm rescuing you, I'm redeeming you from this brokenness. There's a difference when we hear these words and our heart is convicted or our hearts are hardened when we hear this. And you know your heart is hardened when you start trying to justify it. That was dangerous. When I started hearing some of this and I started trying to maneuver, like, hey, is it for this time? Oh, did God really mean this? How far can I get away with this before I call it a sin? See, my heart was being hardened versus just point blank. This is what God is saying. And I needed a brother to speak into my life. And so I want to encourage you guys to live a holy and separated life. You need to embrace that. We need to be excited about not being a part of that old life, but embracing this new life that God has. The counsel is the warning, and the guidance is in the instructions. Let's look at the to-dos here. And this is where you want to write something down again. <laughs> First of all, give thanks. Give thanks. Wake up and thank God for being in a relationship with him. When was the last time you just woke up and just fell to your knees and like, God, I can't believe I'm in a relationship with the living, true God, the one who made it all, the one who I don't deserve this, but you, you paid the ultimate price to be in relationship with me, you, God. Why? But you did it. I thank you. Man, you start off your day with 10 minutes, just 10 minutes of that. Just praising, praising God like, I can't believe you. Thank you, God. Don't mistake being thankful for giving thanks. There were 10 lepers that were thankful for being healed. One gave thanks and was made whole. 
There is a difference. Don't assume you're giving thanks when all you're like, I'm thankful that God loves you. There is a response to such merciful, gracious love. In fact, it demands a response. Give thanks. Try it. Next thing he says to do, walk as children of the light in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, it's our identity. I was talking to Letitia today. She's doing a Bible study with Deanna about identity. We need to soak in this identity of who we are. Yeah. Soak in it. Study it. You know, if you ever played on a team, you, you, you saturate yourself in that culture and then you start walking, talking, sounding, and repping like the team. Sorority, fraternity, the same thing. You will embrace the culture that you're in. What are you, culture are you embracing, learning about, spending time in? Because if you're walking in, in that light, if you're soaking in Jesus' presence, you're going to start walking as children in all goodness. Righteousness just means that right relationship with God and truth. It's not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not going to tell you you're perfect. I'm saying out of your willingness to trust God, His perfection will come out. Don't try to say this is how it should look. Let it unfold in your life and enjoy the process. So walk as children of life. We have something called the birthright card. It's out there. It's on the table. I want to challenge you guys to grab one of these. And uh, these are just identity pieces that you could hang up within your waking hours in the morning, somewhere visible, and say, I am the light of the world and the darkness cannot suppress it. I am living in Christ's authority, which gives me power over all the power of the enemy. I am part of the true vine, the channel of Christ's life and energy. I am not condemned, but declared fully forgiven and righteous in Christ. I am a joint heir with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. I am secure in Christ's love for me. I am an overwhelming conqueror in Christ against all the world that could come against me. The list goes on and on. These are your inherit. This is your inheritance through Christ Jesus. It's back and front. There's so much more of this. This is just a Kickstarter, but you... Start your day off like this right after you're praising God for being a relationship. Ooh, something's going to change. Next, expose darkness in your life. Don't hide that sin. Bring it to the light. We call it the four R's. Repent. It's joyful to repent. Let's get rid of it. I've brought to light some of the most vile things that I feel like a human being could do. And I've done some of those things. To the light to a brother, and he worked through that with me. He wasn't there to judge me, he prayed with me and helped me embrace the forgiveness of God. So, first R, four out of the four R's, everybody say, repent. Repent. Second R is receive. Receive. Third R is rebuke. Rebuke. And the fourth R is uh, replace. 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 Okay, so. We gotta receive God's forgiveness after we repent. Then we gotta rebuke an enemy because immediately the enemy's gonna go in there like, oh, you did this, you did this, you're this, you're not that, you know what you do, you know what you do, you're never gonna be good enough. And you're like, nah, shut your mouth. Get out of my life. You have no authority in my life. I'm defined by the word. 
what Christ did for me. And then start defining that. Right? I can't stop doing something without replacing it. See, repenting, a lot of people think it just means stopping what you're doing. That's never going to work in your life. Oh, I'm sorry, God, I won't do that anymore. No, that's not repentance. Repentance is like, God, I've done this thing. I'm so sorry. You've taught me a better way. I'm going to start doing that. True repentance is stopping something and then starting something new, what God's told you. Because if you don't start something, you'll just go right back to it. It's that simple. Anything is like that. So, yeah. Expose the plan. But lastly, wake up. You gotta wake up, you guys. We gotta be serious about this relationship. And you're like, Josh, what does it mean to be awake? And you're like, well, I'll tell you what, some of you get really intentional when you start talking to somebody. That's awake. I tell you that. I don't care how tired you are, you're like, I gotta think, what am I gonna text to this person? You know, like, this has gotta be the best liner ever, you know? Or I'm willing to totally stay up even later, even though I'm exhausted, just to meet this person. You're like, you're gonna wake up for the person that you care about. You gotta wake up. And when you wake up and are intentional with this time with the Lord, what does it say? It's gonna shine down on you. Jesus loves it when we are like, oh, I love being in relationship with you. It just gets sunnier and sunnier. It's like the, the sun, we get this small shimmer of light that comes through, but the more we focus on God, just break open the sky like, it's a full sunny day. It's the best. This is the opportunity to seize the moment, you guys. You've been rescued, freed, loved, adopted, purchased with a price, and empowered as you walk in mercy, grace, and redemptive love and patience. And I feel like our Christian culture out there can take this walk with God so casually. In fact, other faiths look at us like it's a bit of a joke with how casual we are with following God. Have you talked to anybody who said, I just don't understand how you can live your life this way and God loves you? You see, there's something in that question. How can you still live your life that way and know God? Why is it that the majority of the church, this is in my opinion, this is like, why is the majority of church still looking like the rest of the world right now in our church culture? Divorce is the same rate. Abuse, alcoholism, pornography addiction, all these things are still the same rate. I wonder how serious we are in walking in our relationship with God. I had some bad habits before I got married. If I would have continued those bad habits and just chose those, that lifestyle, said, oh, that's my lifestyle, leave it or love it, baby. My babylicious babe would not be a babylicious babe today. You know what I'm saying? Why isn't our life different? Are we serious to this commitment? Yeah. Are we committed to the relationship we have in Christ and allowing Him to complete the good work He started in us when we cried out to Him? Number three, godly community. Godly community, broken lifestyles as we see here in Ephesus have not changed much over humanity. People attempting to have fun, getting plastered, and doing crazy stuff, and we, we call that memories. Memorable moments. There is so much more to life, you guys. 
We're to spend time with God and with godly community, being filled with the Spirit, and spend time with one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, having fun together, making memories together with one another. I've done this camping, canoeing, Dave and Busters, beach, mountaintops, foreign countries, sports, parties, frat parties. I've shared the gospel with a hockey team at a frat party. It was amazing. I learned how to like flick a bottle cap thing. It was crazy, you know, but I got to share Jesus at this place. You can have a great time with people when you're intentional with this love. And you won't regret it. Anytime I trusted in that old way of doing things, I always went home and there was something to regret that night. Heaven forbid there's a video up there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just one of those things. Regrets. But I've never had a regret going out with the intentionality of God. So much peace. You are not called to do this alone, you guys. You need godly community. I was a hardcore introvert, hardcore introvert, like through high school. I mean, my brother, you asked me a question, and my brother literally would answer the question for me. I just stayed really close to him, like, yeah, I'm going to take it. You know what I'm saying? I had to learn the value of community. Orphans can make it through life, but it is not life to its fullest. You can continue living like an orphan, or you can continue to start living like a child of God and in the family of God, taking responsibility as a family member. Orphans are figuring out where they belong. Family members take responsibility. Your willingness and commitment to be part of God's family will open up the door to seize the moment. And I promise you that. That's all I have to say on, on community. As the band comes up, I want to encourage you guys. Some of you are graduating. Some of you are going home for the summer. And some of you are getting married. Some of you will be traveling. And some of you will be going to school. And some of you will be working. How will you seize the moment? How? There's an enemy out there. The days are evil. And the days are going by quick. And I'm not here to scare you. But I'm here to encourage you to seize the moment. But we're not promised tomorrow. What does it look like this summer to begin seizing the moment? Going after it. Something eternal. Not a job that lasts for 30 years and praise God for a marriage that lasts through this life, but I'm talking about something eternal. If you're here today and you know God is speaking to you right now, you've heard some passage you're like, Gosh, this speaks to me something. I feel like I'm ready to trust God. I want to start a relationship with Him. I want to encourage you to take that step of faith today. I want to encourage you that the Bible says that when we recognize our need for God, our brokenness, and our need for Him, and when we recognize God's love for us, there's something special that can take place, a relationship. And when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that God does love us the way he loves us and we need God as I recognize our brokenness you will be saved you can make that decision right now I want to encourage you to go after it 
Run after I can't sway you. I can't make up your mind. I'm not even going to lead you like this is what, you know, anything like that. I want you to go after it. Come up to me. Come up to one of our house church shepherds, somebody, and, and talk. And like, hey, I'm ready to make this relationship. What, what do I do? We want to come alongside you and champion this walk with you. If you have a relationship with God and you've been struggling to stay focused or you've lost that sense of commitment and intentionality with your walk with God, and you're like, I would like somebody to pray with me and come alongside me and hold me accountable. I want to confess some things. I need some help. I don't want to do this alone. Come up to me or one of the house church shepherds and we will do that. We'll get you plugged in and we want to champion that relationship that you have with God too. Be intentional today, you guys. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a blessed summer for those of you that we won't get to see over the summer. And represent. Seize the moment. Remember, Jesus changes lives.